Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Tim. Come on now. Hey, it's good to be back in the house of God. If you're a first time guest, we want to say welcome to Embassy City. For those that are watching online, our Vitamin E family, thank you for tuning in. Anybody excited about what God's doing in your life? Oh, come on now. It's winning season. Um, we had some total energy in the first service, so y'all better bring it in this second one. I know y'all had done three cups of coffee. You got your beauty rest in. And I believe God's going to do something special here today. So we've been talking about um, winning season. And what I love about the series, it's a reminder to us that we are on the winning team. The scripture tells us that Jesus is right now seated on his throne in heavenly places. But for those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, we get to participate in the victory that Jesus has won. And so you have to have a winning mentality. You have to know by faith that all you do is win. But let me tell you this. Winners don't win by accident. (laughs) You may get lucky once. Really lucky if you win twice. But if you're going to win, it's because you planned to win. In fact, God himself planned to win. If you go all the way back to the garden when Adam and Eve sinned against God and sin entered into the world and mankind was separated from God. When God addresses Adam and the serpent and Eve, he tells Eve that there's coming a day when the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. The scripture says that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. So since the beginning of time, God had a plan to win. Did you know there's over 400, over 400 prophecies in the Old Testament that point to the Messiah coming? So if God plans to win, how much more do you and I need to plan to win? See, God has, it's a fixed fight, by the way. God's already predetermined that you're going to win, but then he gives you strategies and plans on how to get that W. Oh, Lord. All right. Better grab your Bibles. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6, the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Reading verse number 10 through 14. Here we go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now that word schemes in the Greek is methodia or methods or methodology. So when Satan comes at you, he ain't coming on accident. He's coming with some schemes, some math methods that he's already thought through. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It ain't your neighbor, friend. It's not your husband or wife. It's not your boss. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, I'm just going to borrow that first word from verse 14. Stand. (laughs) So today for the next few moments, uh, my topic for the day, my title for the day is 
God's plan. Now, if you were here last week, you know what's happening. I'm sticking with a song theme. Last week it was, all I do is win. <laughs> this week it's God's plan. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for drawing us to your house. I pray in the next few moments that we would have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a mind to understand what your word would say to us. Help us to walk out of here different than the way we walked in. We give your name all the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Okay, if you're a note taker, make sure you have your notes out, your pen, your paper, your phone, whatever, because we're going to go into Bible study mode, all right? So we serve a God who is one God, but has revealed himself in the person of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not three separate gods, one God who exists as three persons, co-equal, co-eternal, co-substantial. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit share in the deity of the Godhead, and yet God has revealed himself in three distinct forms. Now, we cannot understand God in his fullness because his ways are above our ways. So our limited vocabulary doesn't allow us to fully explain and understand the Godhead. The scripture says great is the mystery of godliness. There is a mystery behind trying to explain who God is, but we do know him in part. Now, it's important for us to understand that God, one God, has revealed himself in three because it informs how you and I are created. Because the scripture says that we are created in God's image and likeness. So just as God exists as a triunity, as Father, Son, and Spirit, you and I as human beings are created as a tridimensional being. What does that mean? It means that we are created as spirit, soul, and body. In fact, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, may, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's important for you to understand your own makeup so that you understand what battles you should fight and what battles you shouldn't fight. Can I explain this a little more? So we're created as spirit, soul, and body. Spirit is the Greek word pneuma, where we get uh, pneumatology or the study of the spirit. Uh, also, you've probably heard the word pneumonia. So the word pneuma means breath or air. So when you have pneumonia, it is a restriction of air. Some people have spiritual pneumonia. Uh-oh. That just came. Uh, that's for free. <laughs> But pneuma means the spirit, and the scripture tells us that when we were created, right, that our spirit, which is the unseen you, is actually dead in sin and its trespasses, but is made alive when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he quickens your spirit. So this is why when you are not saved, you will always fulfill the deeds of the flesh, right? Until the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, Acts 2.38, right? The promise of the Holy Spirit. When he comes into you, he makes alive the thing that was dead inside of you. 
This is very important to understand because when I'm looking at you, I may be looking at your physical body, but I'm actually looking at something that's deeper that I cannot see. The soul, which is probably the most difficult part of your tridimensional being to explain, uh, and yet we try, we know we say stuff like, I'm dealing with soul ties right now. But nobody knows how to explain what a soul is. What do you mean, girl? Girl, I don't know, you know what I mean? But the soul, which, is, which happens to be the, one of the most difficult things to explain, but if you go according to scripture, the Greek word for soul is the word uh, uh, psyche. It's transliterated to the word psyche. And psyche means the will, mind, and emotions. So the psyche is actually the mental part of your being, right? It's the center of who you are. The soul is the center of who you are. That's why the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you read scriptures, and the scriptures are talking about the heart of man, it's not talking about the physical muscle that's pumping blood throughout your body, but it's talking about the center of who you are, which is the mind, will, and emotions. This is why I actually do believe in soul ties. Because when you give your mind, will, and emotions to somebody, when they do stuff, it's still working on your mind, will, and emotions. You got to cut it off. So that's the soul. It's the psyche. It's where we get the word psychology or psychiatry. It's the mind, will, and emotions. And the third part of our being is the body. The body is pretty self-explanatory. The Greek word for body is summa which means earth suit. It's the physical appearance of who you are. It's your blood, it's your bones, it's your organs, it's your brain, it's physical matter. So when we talk about a human being, a human being is very complicated because you're dealing with spirit, soul, and body. Now, why am I explaining this to you? It's because we have to understand our makeup so that we can understand what battles we should get involved in and what battles we should not get involved in. Because in the economy of God, the battle that you win will not happen first in the flesh or in the body. It will first happen in the spirit and the body follows. This is important because for some of us, we try to fight spiritual battles in the flesh. Oh, man, if I can pray hard enough, if I can uh, exercise my body enough, then I can attain this. And what the scripture tells us is no. In fact, Jesus said when you pray the Lord's Prayer, this is what you say on earth as it already is in heaven. So the battles that you win, your winning season in the body only happens because you've already won in the spirit. This is why you need the Holy Spirit. I don't got time to preach about that, but, but the fact is that we cannot win spiritual battles by means of the flesh. You can't beat your body into winning. You can't try to submit your body into winning. You can't discipline your body into winning. You have to have the spirit first because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. It's not your neighbor. It ain't your husband, it ain't your wife. It ain't that boss that's getting on your nerves. There's a spiritual warfare that's being waged against you, and it manifests itself physically. So when God begins to talk to us about a winning season or about winning, he's going to tell you, hey, 
Here's what I want to do in your life. But then God also gives us the strategy on how to get the win. Did you know that every battle in the Old Testament where the children of Israel won a physical battle against whoever, Amalekites, Amorites, any of these, did you know they won the battle because they went to the Lord and God gave them divine strategies? And sometimes those strategies don't even make sense. In fact, a story in the Bible that I feel like perfectly demonstrates this, this winning and yet having to live out the win is the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Joshua chapter 6, verse number 1. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Pause. First of all, God didn't say to Joshua, Hey, I'm going to give it to you if you do this. He looked at Joshua and said, hey, it's a win no matter what, because all I do is win. God said to Joshua, I've already given it to you, but now let me give you the strategy of how you can occupy the win that I've already given to you. This is what he says. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Now, if you've been in church any length of time, you've heard this story before. And let me just be honest with you. As a preacher, this is one of the most spectacular passages to get to have when you're talking about praise because if you've grown up in church you've heard us preachers preach this message and usually we focus on the praise part your praise will break down walls got the organ going got the drums you got the guitar doing a lick your worship will crumble down walls that's standard you got to have that vibrato yeah Some of y'all know nothing about what whooping is about, but I've been there and done that. And let me just tell you, let me just be honest with you. I'm still going to preach about that. All right. (laughs) But but here's the here's the thing. I want you to look at this story uh, of Joshua and the battle of Jericho, which really wasn't much of a battle. But I want you to look at it from the perspective of Joshua, because a benefit that we have right now is we have the entire canonized scripture, meaning that we have all the way from Genesis to Revelation, we have context. We can see the end from the beginning. So when we read a story, we're not reading it necessarily from the beginning. We're reading it from the beginning already knowing what the end is, right? right? So put yourself in the shoes of Joshua, okay? Joshua at this point is about 70, 80 years old. He's been rolling with Moses for a long time. And Joshua is one of those that went into Canaan land with the 12 spies to go see if they were able to go conquer it. Now, you're Joshua. You have been under the leadership of Moses. You've been taken out of Egypt with a high and a mighty hand. You experienced what it was like to cross the Red Sea on dry ground. And you've seen God move in spectacular ways through Moses. 
Moses is calling down plagues on the Egyptians. He, he got a staff that makes the water part. You've seen quail come out of nowhere. You've seen manna come out of nowhere. And Moses was so bad he could hit a rock and water comes out of it. And you're like, this man is legit. Moses is doing all kinds of stuff. People are talking about him, are getting leprosy. And you've been following this man. And now Moses and all the people of Israel, over a million people, are they come to the very edge of the promised land. God's like, hey, this is the land that I have for you. Go and possess it. And so Moses sends in 12 spies. All of them come back. And all 10 of them, uh, 10 of the 12 spies said, nah, we can't do it because there's giants in the land. And then you got Joshua and Caleb who believe that it's possible to go in, and they say, hey, listen, y'all be quiet. We know we can go do this because God said, this is our winning season, and I got, I got, I got the scoreboard, and I got a winning mentality, and all I do is win, so let's go in and get this win. But the 10 spies went out, and all the people believed the report of the 10 spies, so now... Joshua, believing that he is stepping into a winning season, has to spend his time walking around the wilderness with these losers for 40 years. Can you imagine? You're Joshua. You believe that God is able. You've seen God work. You've seen him do miracles. You believe by faith that it is possible. But now you got to walk around with all these people that don't believe it and you're being punished because of their unbelief. And then God says, I'm so sick of their unbelief that all those that don't believe, they will die in the wilderness. So you're Joshua, right? And you, you probably have every night you're getting with Caleb. Man, these low down, no good for nothing. Losers got us out here walking in this heat. Bro, we still eating manna and quail? Fam, when we could have grapes, honey, milk, doing all this stuff, we've got to put our tents up and take them down because of these losers. So Joshua is marching around the wilderness, and he's burying his grandparents and stuff, and I know he was probably conflicted when he was burying them, you know what I'm saying? He's like pouring one out for the homies, but, but he's also like, man, I'm kind of glad. <laughs> Because to be honest, one less person means that we one step closer to the promise. I know it sounds twisted, but you got to imagine you're Joshua, right? So now it's the end of Deuteronomy. Moses appoints Joshua as the next leader, and then Moses passed away. So now it's Joshua's turn. He is the leader. He is the one that God has, has elected to be the one in charge to lead the people of Israel into the promised land, and he is hyped. And during the 40 years, you know what happened? There were over 600,000 men who made themselves ready for war. So for 40 years, these dudes were sharpening swords, making axes, getting ready to fight this battle because they know the time is coming when God says go, that we're going to go into our winning season and we're going to get this W because all I do is win, 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 no matter what. You got me in the desert, but I still believe that God is able. And so Joshua, after the death of Moses, he is now in charge and you know he's dealing with pressure. You ever see the new leader step up? What do most people think? <laughs> I wonder how he's going to outdo the last one. That boy better come up with some more miracles. So Joshua, he's been calling to the Lord and asking him, when is the time right? So then God finally says, hey, yo, Joshua, the time has come. 
And Joshua's like, hey, guys, God is calling me. Let me go up this mountain. Y'all get ready. I think I'm about to get the go ahead. So he gets to the top of the mountain. He's commuting with God. And God's like, Joshua, I got good news for you. I have given Jericho into your hand along with its kings and men of valor. And Joshua's like, yes, finally. We're about to go get this winning season. We're going to get this W. And then God says, and I also have the strategic plan for how you're going to get it. And you got to be, Joshua's like, oh, man, I'm so excited and so thankful because we done sent spies there. And they told us the walls are thicker than a mug. (laughs) And the walls are so tall when you combine the two walls and the ramparts, it's over 10 stories tall. So Joshua has been thinking, like, how in the world are we going to penetrate this place and besiege the city? But now God's about to give me some amazing strategies for how to win. And then God hits him with his strategic plan. And God says, hey, I want you to get all the men of valor ready, and I want you to get all the soldiers ready. He said, check, I got it, fam. He said, all right, I want you to grab seven priests. Got it, fam. You know, we got to take the man of God into war. And then I want you to grab seven ram's horns. Okay, (laughs) check, got that. Yeah, we do have to let out a blast because the ram's horn is connected to besieging. So normally we let out a blast warning the enemy that we come in. All right, and then I also want you to get the Ark of the Covenant. Got it. We can't go nowhere with the Spirit without the Spirit of God. I got it. All right, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to march around the walls, and I want you to let out a blast, and then I want you to go back to camp. Now, you're Moses. I mean, you're, you're Joshua. And for 40 years, you've been thinking and imagining and dreaming and, and putting in your mind how you were going to go get Jericho. And in your mind, you were going to make heads roll. <laughs> you're going to split people in half. You're going to run your spear through navels. You're going to cut people in pieces. You are going to be, it was going to be a bloodbath in your mind. You were going to do it for Johnny and the homies. You're going to do it for your grandparents. You're going to do it for your mom and them. And you are about to execute vengeance on them. And God says, basically, that's what I want you to do. I want you to march around walls and have a, a praise and prayer service. So you're Joshua and you have to go tell 600,000 dudes that are at the base of the hill with shields and swords like the 300. These Spartans are down there. Oh, we're going to make it rain. Blood everywhere. <laughs> They're ready. They don't sharpen their swords and knives. It's going to be a brutal bloodbath. You got to go tell them, yo, fellas, it ain't going to be like what we thought. <laughs> God gave me a strategic plan, but it only includes praise and worship. So, so Joshua does what any smart leader does. He goes down there. He's like, I ain't going to tell him the plan all at once. I'm going to just do it day by day. <laughs> you can read about it. Joshua chapter 6, the Bible says that Joshua got up and he's like, all right, I need the, the, the armies of the living God to get ready. Everyone's like, oh, they're grabbing shields and swords and spears and axes. And, and they're like ready to go into battle. And Joshua's like, I need the men of God to get ready. And everybody's like, yes, we get the gate. We get to take the Ark of the Covenant with us. We know we're going to win. So everybody's ready. He's like, march. 
and they marched, and according to some historians, based on the size of Jericho, it only takes about 10 or 15 minutes to walk around with all the soldiers included. It probably took an hour, so they get all the way, and it's been an hour now. They march around, and then Joshua's like, all right, blast the ram's horns, and the soldiers know that once that goes out, we're about to go get this thing. We're waiting for the sword to drop, and we're going to go get this winning season. So the blast of the trumpet goes out. Because it was a long blast. And then Joshua's like, all right, let's go back to camp. <laughs> now, imagine you're Johnny. You've been practicing your sword fighting. <laughs> You've been working on slicing throats. You know, you've been working with partnerships, you know what I'm saying, how to use your sword and shield. And the man of God just told you, hey, by the time you get through with this, we're just going back to camp. And you're going on your way back to camp. You know, there's a lot of conversations happening. Like, what in the world? We need Moses back. <laughs> Joshua is tripping. How are we going to win with this? But then he gets back to camp. You know, those conversations happen around the fire. Somebody's like, you know what? I got it. We playing mind games. I love this plan. So the next day comes. Joshua comes back out. Yo, I need you to get your swords and shields ready. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Everybody's ready. He's like, all right, let's go do it again. They can watch around. The blast of the trumpet goes. Now they think it's time because we already played mind games yesterday. Joshua's like, all right, fam. That's it. That'll be all. Let's go back. And you're like, all right. Hey, I had it the first day. I don't get number the second day, okay, but I'll roll with it. The third day comes, the fourth day, the, the fifth day, the sixth day. You've been doing this every day. And you're like, I, I thought it's my winning season. What are we doing? And Joshua's like, this is the winning game plan that God has for us. And we got to follow the game plan. Now, the scripture tells us that when they get to the seventh day, they marched around the wall seven times, and then the trumpet went out. And then the scripture says they let out a shout, a great shout, and the walls fell down flat, and they went in and they destroyed the entire city, and God gave them victory. But I want you to know that the only way that Joshua and the children of Israel were able to go in and get that win is because they followed a winning game plan. So using this story, I want to give you a winning game plan for how you can win in this winning season. So if you're taking notes, number one is you have to identify the threat. That's right. <laughs> Some of us are in this winning season and we're still fighting stuff that we don't, we don't even recognize. That's because have you identified the thing that is causing you not to step into your winning season? Because the scripture says that Satan uses schemes, he uses methodology, he uses methods to attack us. Did you know that Satan has rolled the tape, the playing tape of your life, and he knows your vulnerabilities and your weaknesses? He's not going to fight you with stuff that don't get on your nerves. If your problem ain't drugs, he's not going to tempt you with crack cocaine. But he's going to hit you right where you are vulnerable. He's looking for weak spots 
to keep you from getting to your winning season. For Peter, it was the need for uh, being included, so he was tempted with denying Christ. For Paul, it was the need for affirmation, so he had a thorn in the flesh. For David, it was women, so he had Bathsheba. Everyone in this place, you've got a vulnerable spot. You have to identify it. Did you know that the reason why Joshua, why Jericho was the first place? Now remember, Jericho was just one of the kingdoms that had to be destroyed in Canaan for them to attack, for them to receive Canaan. But Jericho was the main stronghold that, that was the entrance point into Canaan. And Joshua had to identify by the Lord, this is the place that needs to be broken down first. This is the threat. So now my question is, do you know what threatens your winning season? <laughs> it may be money, it may be fame, it may be fortune, it may be a relationship, it may be complacency, it may be comfort. What may stand in the way of you stepping into your winning season? You got to identify it. Here's the second thing you got to do you got to equip yourself. Too many people are walking into spiritual battles with fleshly weapons. Too many people are not winning because they're using the wrong tools. They're bringing swords to a gunfight. You have to have the right equipment. Remember the story of David when he goes, he's about to fight Goliath. And Saul says, hey, take my armor. He's like, I'm not taking your armor. Fam, that stuff don't even fit. The fit ain't right, dog. You know, all I wear is Balenciaga, dog. That's that's that Gucci with a CH. (laughs) You got to go back and watch that message. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't go to Goliath and say, hey, I'm just coming to you for whatever. He said, hey, you may be coming with me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. But hey, David, you didn't tell us the full truth. You came in the name of the Lord, but you also had a sling with five smooth stones. You kept some distance just in case it didn't go down like you thought it was going to go down. When you go into a battle, you've got to be equipped with the right stuff. That's why the scripture says, put on the whole armor of God. And that word put on is instructional. It means that it's not just going to plop on you. Some some of us are like, I'm in winning season. Uh, God just put my armor on. And we expect the Holy Spirit just to drop on us the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. No, no, no. You have got to actually go into the presence of the Lord. Grab your helmet, strap it on. You got to put on your breastplate of righteousness. You got to buckle on the buckle of salvation. You got to get strapped if you're going to be in this winning season. Somebody shout strapped. You got to get all the way strapped because the thing about armor and, and soldiers knew this. If they left one little part open, it created a vulnerability for the enemy to pierce them. If you don't have the whole armor of God on, you are going to experience a half-winning season. you got to find the vulnerabilities, and you have to equip yourself. Number three is execute the plan. Now, if you look at Joshua and what he was doing with the children of Israel, with the mighty men of valor, imagine Joshua's feelings by the fourth day. Because remember, he doesn't have the perspective that we do. We know the end of the story. But for Joshua, he's been marching around this wall looking stupid with all these soldiers strapped and ready to go. And all he's doing is blasting the trumpet. By the fourth day, I would have been like, you know what? Hey, guys, y'all hang out here. I'm going back to the mountain. Let's see what's God. If God doesn't change his plans real quick. Yo, God, have you changed your plans? Too many of us stop in the middle of the plan that God has for us. 
I'm talking about people who want to be used of God, but because they weren't uh, invited to preach at the next event, they're going to find themselves another church. You ain't going to keep winning as long as you don't exercise the whole plan. God has the entire plan for you to execute so that you can be in a winning season. We can't do this halfway. In fact, it reminds me of the story, Joash and Elijah. Elisha is on his deathbed. He's about to die. And Joash, the king, comes to him. And he's like, man, the Syrians have been getting on my nerves. I, I, need, I need some help. I need some anointing to go fight this battle. And Elisha says, all right, uh, get, your, get your arrow and a bow. You point it out the window, and then you let it go. And he lets it go. He goes, this is what God's going to do. He's going to give you victory. And then Elisha says to Joash, I want you to grab the rest of the arrows, and I want you to pound the ground, representing the victory that you're going to get. And Joash gets down on the ground, said, bow, 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 okay. And Elisha says, oh, why didn't you just stop at three? Because if you would have went for five or six or seven, God would have given you victory, complete victory, a complete winning season. But because you stopped halfway, you're only going to have a half winning season. You're only going to win a few games, but you ain't going to win the whole thing. Can I tell you that after you have identified the threat and you've equipped yourself, you've got to execute the entire plan, even if it feels boring. Imagine the soldiers walking around like, this ain't what we signed up for. What, what in the world have we been training for for the last 40 years? This ain't even like, come on, can I get a little, something a little more exciting, God? Can I, can I do a little more? Like, you said you had this promise for my life. You said I was going to win, and I don't feel like I'm winning, so maybe I should find another word. <laughs> maybe I should find another prophet to give me an update on a word to see if there's something else that I can do. Maybe it's a different city. Maybe it's a different a kingdom. Uh, Joshua said, no, if God said for us to do this for seven days, then we're going to do it for seven days because we're going to execute the entire plan. For some of us, the reason why we're not in a winning season, even though we're preaching about being in a winning season, is because we're not executing the entire plan that God has for us. Can I tell you, do everything that God wants you to do. Here's the fourth and final and a game-winning plan, and that is this. Celebrate the win, even if the win hasn't happened yet. Oh, Lord. Uh, Bill Belichick, which happens to be one of the greatest coaches in NFL history with all these championship wins. After winning Super Bowl 50 with the New England Patriots, on that Monday they had a press conference and the press asked him, how do you feel about today? And Bill Belichick said, today is great and all, but honestly we're five weeks behind 30 other teams getting ready for the next season. And for most of us, (laughs) for a lot of us, we will hold back our worship our praise, our celebration, our shouting, our our inhabited worship of God because we're waiting for the win to happen. But in the economy of God, God said, Joshua, I want you to tell the people to blast out the trumpet warning the enemy that, that war is coming, but before you go in to possess your winning season, I want to know how much do you worship even though the win hasn't happened yet. So my question for you today is this, how do you worship? How do you praise if it hadn't happened yet? 
Some of us, we're waiting for God to come through. We're waiting for walls to fall down. We're waiting for the job interview. But can I tell you, can you praise God while waiting on your answer? <laughs> can you worship while you wait on that job response? Can you give God praise while you're waiting for that, for that interview to come through? Can you praise him while you wait for your child to come back home? Can you give him worship while you wait for your healing? Woo! And let me tell you something. I'm psyched up. I, I'm excited because I refuse to hold back my worship waiting on a win. God already said, hey, Jericho belongs to you. There's nothing that you have to do to try to produce a win. I just want you to follow these steps. But the one thing that I do want you to do is learn how to worship me even if you hadn't got it yet. What God is waiting on for some of us to do is give God praise in spite of what we're going through, in spite of what it looks like. Woo! I may just be preaching to myself, but I'm going to give God worship as if it already happened. How would you worship if the answer was right in front of you? How would you praise if God came through? How would you give God praise if the answer was right here, right now? Woo! Ah, hey, you may have came in here wanting three points in a poem, but I'm like Joshua, I'm standing before you telling you, you've already heard the sound of the trumpet. So now what God is looking for is about 10 or 15 or, or 20 people that say, you know what, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting until the W comes through. I'm strapped, I'm ready, I'm gonna go possess it. But before I do, <laughs> before I do, I'm gonna give God worship. Before I do, I'm gonna run. Before I do. Some of us are still waiting for a manifestation of the winning season. You already heard for four weeks, you're in the winning season. God has given you the victory. How will you praise while you wait? Because sometimes your praise is what unlocks the door to you going in. So here's the question, are you ready to worship God? <laughs> Can you walk in on Monday while your boss is getting on your nerves and be like, hey, praise the Lord. <laughs> can, you, can you look at your child who's been acting crazy and funny and hadn't come back to, the, to, the, to the, the house of God? Can you look at him and be like, I hear you, Johnny, but praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, the old timers used to say, praise God anyhow. <laughs> So the question is, I'm looking at you like the children of Israel. The question is, can you shout? Can you give God praise? Can you worship in the middle of staring at a wall that hasn't even cracked yet? Does it feel silly? Yes, but watch me be silly. Does it feel crazy? Yes, but watch me be crazy. Because for some of us, we've already seen him do things that we never thought were possible. Joshua had already seen God pour out miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. For some of you, God's already come through. You ought to be giving God praise right now. Hey, hey, hold on. Hey, if God's ever come through for you, you ought to give him praise right now. Oh, that's a half-winning season praise. 
I'm talking about a winning season all the way through type of praise. Ready? Four, three, two, one. Give him some praise right now. Some of y'all. All right, here. Some of y'all like, I'm still losing. I don't know why in the world I came today. I'm still going through depression. My feelings are still hurt. God still hadn't come through. I think this is how you do it. I watched it on YouTube. I think this is how you're supposed to give God praise. Uh, but, but, but for some of us, we don't even care what people think. Imagine you're around the walls of Jericho, you're shouting, and the people of Jericho are like, these people look stupid. Right? They've been doing this for seven days, and ain't nothing happened. These walls ain't cracked yet. This mortar is still intact. We know we, we done set up this, this to work. But on the outside of, the, of Jericho, I got my sword and shield, and I'm going to give God praise because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Y'all looking at a physical battle, but I'm looking at a spiritual one. Yeah. And what I know is God already came through. So what he did in the heavenlies, he's about to do right now. I'm not praising him according to what I can see. I'm giving God praise for what he told me would already happen. Give him praise right now for the answer that he promised you. You win! Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.